This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. A lot to get to today. Phil Miller, Twins beat writer for the Star Tribune, will join me here in a few minutes to talk about the flurry of activity from the Twins over the weekend with those three big trades. Phil will help us break that down. We'll also hear from uh, Derek Falvey, Twins president of baseball operations, talking about some of their new acquisitions, in particular pitcher Sonny Gray and what he thinks he will bring to this rotation that really needs a lot of help and maybe even more upgrades as time goes on here this spring. So we'll hear from both of those guys here in a little bit. We'll get to a Vikings signing still trying to get that defensive line right the interior of the defensive line thought it was interesting that the lead of Andrew Kramer's story pointed out in the Star Tribune that this is the third consecutive offseason that their first outside free agent signing has been a defensive tackle Um, kind of been searching at that position ever since moving on from Linval Joseph after the 2019 season so We'll get to that in a little bit as well. But first, what did I miss? Carl Anthony Towns, 60 points against San Antonio on Monday night in a 149 to 139 win, a game winner. You know, almost everything was going in for both teams, but particularly for Carl Anthony Towns, shoots 19 of 31 on the night, 7 of 11 from three-point range, makes almost all of his free throws, had 32 points in the third quarter alone. My goodness. Um, And the Wolves needed it. They, you know, San Antonio, like I said, was making a lot of their shots as well, so it wasn't an empty 60 by any stretch of the imagination. Got to that magic number uh, with a three-pointer that pretty much sealed the game in the closing, you know, two minutes or so. Game was interesting, though. Um, just the, the aftermath of it, just watching it as it unfolded. Anthony Towns, we've talked about on this show before, playing about as well as I've ever seen him play. And a, a big piece of it appears to be the comfort level he has with his teammates, likes winning. And I also feel like Anthony Towns, I don't know if he's a complicated person, but you can tell that he needs a certain amount of... He needs to feel a certain way with his teammates. He needs to have the support of his teammates in a certain way that maybe, and that maybe not every other player needs. You know, someone who's maybe a grew up in a different era or you know has a different, slightly different mindset might not need what Carl Anthony Towns needs from his teammates to to feel good on the court to be able to reach his maximum potential. I think he is reaching it this year, but I thought some post-game comments from Towns were interesting in speaking to that idea. So let's play those right now in the aftermath of his 60-point game. Uh, I've said it before. I appreciate these guys so much because I ain't never been celebrated. You know, I don't know how that feels. You know, so to have kind of people do that when I got 60 was a crazy feeling, you know. I remember getting 56, it was kind of just like, it was treated like it was another day, you know. So I appreciate that they they make these moments special, you know. Um, I was telling them in there, I said, this happens because of y'all, you know. Um, none of this happens without my teammates really, you know, really saying, hey, I want to, I wanna, you know, we want you to, to have a chance at history. So um, 
especially as a center. So they have to pass me the ball. So for them to all be on some, you know, be on the same page about we want to give Carl this moment and give him a chance, uh, it speaks volumes about the chemistry of this team. And again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's how Carl Anthony Towns is wired. He needs to feel that way from his teammates. I think a lot of us like that. We like when our coworkers like us, give us compliments, things like that. That's that that's very much true. But I think he is reaching his peak potential this season because Chris Finch and maybe some of his other teammates have found those buttons to push, the the things that motivate that that push him to his peak performance. And uh, we're seeing that on the court right now. And it you know, comes at a great time. The Wolves have needed every single one of these wins. They are 40-30 and 30 now. Um, did not get any help from Philadelphia last night in the matchup of potential MVP candidates, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. The 76ers lost at home to the Nuggets. Wolves could have pulled within a half a game of Denver instead. That is still a game and a half between 6th and 7th place. So... Wolves still have some work to do in that regard. They do have a game against the Nuggets coming up in not too long. They still have two against Dallas, although Dallas keeps winning too. Dallas still three clear of the Wolves. And actually, Utah has fallen back into the same spot as Dallas. So if the the Wolves are going to jump up into that top six, still a lot of work to do and still some tough games down the stretch in these final 12. But if they get performances like this from Carlton Towns, more often than not, they're going to be in pretty good shape as they go down this stretch run. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. I'd like to welcome back Phil Miller to Daily Delivery. covers the Twins for the Star Tribune. And it was months and months, Phil, where I had you on a couple times, and the news was just like, yeah, not much happening. Uh, they're locked out, and uh, hopefully they'll figure this out. But they did um, late last week, and now um, comes the part that we kind of anticipated, the flurry of moves, the rush to get ready for the season. Twins you know, didn't do much before the lockout, so had work to do. And uh, I guess that has shown up in the quantity and quality of trades they have made already um since since the lockout ended uh from what the you know the, the three big ones over the weekend I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around some of the logic in there but how, how was it how do you view those deals and kind of how did they explain kind of where they are at after those trades well it's kind of funny isn't it they we all heard oh there's going to be a ton of free agent signings and a ton of trades and it's all going to happen at once were the twins the only ones that uh, we're ready for this. Uh, there have been four trades made, and three uh, were by the Twins. So, uh, uh, give them credit; they were they were ready when the bell rang. Uh, that seems for sure. Um, we said uh, coming into the uh, into camp that they didn't have a shortstop, and they had to solve that. They didn't have any starting pitching, and they had to address that. Um, and two days after we're here, suddenly they had a shortstop, and they had uh, a starting pitcher for the top of the order. Um, it, it, interesting trades, but uh, yeah, last night's is the one that uh, is the one that um, made you wonder what happened. Uh, first off, the trade for um, uh, Sonny Gray, changing uh, their first round draft pick from last year, Chase Petty, a guy that they 
talked up and down and, uh, and how much they're going to like him and how great he's going to be in five or six years. Uh, it was interesting to see that they, uh, that after watching him for a month here in camp, they, uh, they decided to pull the trigger on a, on a trade. And some might say desperation. They, they had to do something with the rotation and this is the price they pay, but um, it almost makes you wonder if their opinion of him changed. They, they say not, but uh, it, it um, seemed like a hefty price to pay. Um, but real briefly, they got the shortstop they wanted uh, in uh, Isaiah Kiner uh, Falafa. And uh, um, Derek Falvey told us today that as soon as they made that trade, uh, very shortly afterwards, the Yankees called and said, Hey, well, what do you think about uh, moving him? Uh, they apparently were the runners up for him with the Rangers and. Uh, um, Derek Falvey swore today, 100% unequivocal, that they had no plans to uh, do anything but make him the shortstop until the Yankees called, and uh, they saw it as an opportunity. Um, they won't say it out loud, but they saw it as an opportunity to relieve themselves of Josh Donaldson's contract. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. It's that there's the price of doing that business, which, you know, there is no salary cap in baseball that was not part of the uh, new cba but each team has its own kind of self-imposed to a certain degree based on their revenue a certain percentage that they're willing to spend on payroll and josh donaldson was going to take up quite a bit of that over the next two years so still leaves them with some questions i mean sunny grace certainly fills a hole in the rotation gives them their most established starter by far. I can't imagine the work there is done, or at least in their minds that the work is done yet on the rotation. Also, I uh, don't know who's going to play shortstop now. Um, I'm kind of curious who will play third base, although I imagine it might be uh, Urshela from uh, from the Yankees that they got in that trade. And I'm kind of curious what they're doing at catcher uh, since they gave up Mitch Garver, but then got back Gary Sanchez. Don't know how long he will be here. So just some, some puzzle pieces that don't quite fit together right now. How do you see kind of what they did and what's yet to come, I guess? Well, I can tell you what the twins uh, part of a lot of that is. They feel like Gary Sanchez, uh, he has some defensive problems, but they're overstated that that's uh, part of maybe partly caused by the pressure of, of being such a visible guy in New York and also Maybe it uh, makes his uh, shortcomings more um, magnified, I guess. I, they swear uh, that he's going to catch. He's going to catch a lot. Uh, whether he catches half the games, we'll see. They very much like Ryan Jeffers. It's notable that they are not going to sign a designated hitter. Um, they're, you know, they are going to rotate that position around, and I think Gary Sanchez will be the designated hitter uh, I would guess that he will be the designated hitter more than any other player on the team. Um, so they think that his power, his bat will uh, fit in nicely in the middle of the order, whether he's behind the plate or not. Um, yeah. The, uh, the Ursula could very well be the third baseman. He could be the shortstop. Uh, he has played short before. He is certainly willing to do so. Uh, he is a defensive first player uh, who uh, who is more established at third base, but 
just like uh, Kiner uh, Falafa was. Uh, he's he's willing uh, to play shortstop and might be the answer there. They're also going to keep uh, Jorge Polanco there. Um, so it whether this means something else is coming, I I, I don't know. That is the that is the prevailing theory, and it certainly gives them uh, plenty of. Uh, budget room to uh pay for something uh something big i mean that arguably they could sign one of the two big shortstops for uh you know maybe not a 10-year contract like carlos correa wants but uh trevor story is a is a name out there I, i don't know if they feel like they have to do that i think they'd rather spend it on pitching but it was clear that josh donaldson when they signed him to the big contract, it was with the idea that he was the piece that they were adding to, you know, the bomb squad uh, from two years ago and that uh, the Bomba squad and that he would be the piece to carry them over the top. You know, he did not. And if it appeared he was not going to, it just doesn't do work well for a team to put so much of its salary space into the uh, quarterback. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say quarterback? I meant third baseman. <laughs> but uh, you can uh, also, also, you can uh, yeah, you can extrapolate uh, from that. But uh, yeah, I it, it frees them up to do other things. I my hunch is that there will be another pitcher with a not a huge salary, but a but a veteran's salary on the roster um, in the next well before April, I would guess. What is this? Where does this leave someone like? I mean, they've got prospects that are near, hopefully near making debuts, and you know, Royce Lewis certainly the big one. But he's obviously you know, twenty twenty was a a wash to a certain degree for him. I know he got some work in, and then last year with the injury, um, you know, there is a hole at shortstop. I just I don't know where he how, where do we see him fitting? What's what's the what's the path that he's on right now? Do you think? Well, I think they don't have any idea. Uh, you know, cool. <laughs> yeah, isn't it though? Uh, this is a guy who last appeared in a game in October of 2019 in the Amazing. fall league. Um, so they've watched him work out, and he's uh, he he is a workout beast. But he hasn't he hasn't uh, taken an at bat in in two and a half years. So um, they, you know, the plan last year was to. Uh, put him at double a hopefully move him to triple a and bring him to the majors uh by the end of the year where he could work with Andrelton simmons and kind of learn the ropes of being a professional well simmons didn't really work out turns out he uh, has kind of aged out of his ability to hit and of course royce lost the whole year so is it a permanent setback it doesn't have to be but um you know you wonder what what a knee injury does to his range and he wasn't uh he hadn't established himself as a hitter even in the minor leagues when he was injured uh who knows where he is on that timeline i mean uh this is one of those cases where honestly i think the twins know as much as you or i and uh and uh you know when you get right down to it that's uh that's not much you can uh you can make many plans with that's not ideal. Um, even though you and I know a fair amount, we're pretty well versed in the twins. Generally, uh, I like to think of ourselves <laughs> as smart guys. Uh, they should probably know more 
than us. Um, maybe let's step back just for a minute because we are still very fresh um, on, you know, the heels of the lockout ending and this, you know, hastily thrown together start of camp. Uh, maybe you can just kind of paint a picture of, you know, they've been, you know, camp opens, they've, they've, gave, they've been taking some live work already. Spring training games start later this week. Um, what's the, you know, what's the, what's the mood? How, how do you know, when, after this kind of cloud has been lifted, I imagine there's a certain amount of just joy being on the field at the very least. Oh, sure. Uh, and Rocco uh, addressed the team uh, before uh, camp started today, uh, as he does on the first day. And his message, I thought, was a really interesting one. He said, uh, after all we've been through, after the shortened season, after the pandemic season, after the lockout, I just want everybody to come in and think about being a baseball player and, and just make that your focus. And we won't have to worry about uh, about the contract part of it. We don't have to worry about wearing masks and testing twice a week and, and what games are being canceled. And it, it, he very much said, you know, a lot has happened and we're, it's, it's time to put it behind us. It's, uh, it's over. So there's a real joy to it. You could sense it among the players that uh, it's been a tough couple of years and a tough couple of months leading up to this. Uh, there's uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of gusto, I would say in, some of the drills we watched today. And there's also a real urgency. You're right. The games start Thursday. They start, they have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's supposed to rain tomorrow too, uh, to work out. And then the games begin and not, and it's not meandering into the schedule. It's uh, 19 games in 20 days and then a day off. And then the, uh, the regular season begins. Uh, so it's kind of a crazy schedule. So there's an urgency. Let's do more. Rocco was saying that there's going to be less, free time in in training camp you know it's always pretty leisurely it did not appear that way today and uh it's not going to because uh um you know the season is three and a half weeks away 24 days i think that's amazing and it, you know the trades they've made so far you know reflect that they didn't do a lot before the lockout but also reflect that this roster needed quite a bit of tending to after the 73 and 89 finish last year. I mean, that said, um, of the of the kind of holdovers, what are we looking at in terms of positional battles, guys trying to kind of make a move on this roster? Who, who should we be kind of keeping an eye on as, as you know, having a, a pretty important three weeks here at camp? Um, well, I will say that it, it is uh, interesting that it would have been easy to say uh, we just had a down year last year. Things went went badly but we had a lot of injuries um they were they won the division two previous years they could have just said run it back and in, instead they didn't you know part of they traded nelson cruz and jose Barreos, and that uh changed things but they are trying to be proactive about uh changing the team it's interesting though that they have done it by cutting 25 million from the payroll but uh or uh, maybe not that much with uh, the guys that brought in, but uh, um, interesting approach. Uh, guys to uh, watch uh, in the next three weeks. Uh, I think Alex Kirilov's uh, condition, uh, a lot was expected of him. Um, uh, and I think a lot still is. Is he 
is he ready to become an offensive engine in the middle of the lineup? I, I, um, he looks great. I think they feel uh, just as confident as they did before um, his injury last year. I, I think there's some excitement about him, but you know, he hasn't played in uh, 10 months. Um, that's a big one. Uh, uh, I think a lot is on Bailey Ober's shoulders, Joe Ryan too, to some extent, but Ober went through an entire year last year and, uh, um, he's no small part of the rotation. Uh, he's right now the number two starter and, uh, you know, is he, is he up to that? I think they're pretty confident. I think, I know he's pretty confident that he is, but, uh, that's, uh, it's a big ask. I think they will add, like I said, uh, another pitcher, but um, Bailey Ober is going to start every fifth day and a lot is going to be, let's put it this way, he will fill the Michael Pineda shoes uh, from my uh, years past, uh, the reliable mid-order guy. And, and um, you know, he's only had one year, so uh, we need to see him prove it. Those are the two guys that I would particularly uh, focus on right now. And we talked about Sonny Gray at the beginning, you know, that's part of the trade for Chase Petty, a, pr- a pretty good track record. Um, you know, definitely a, a strikeout guy, especially more lately in his career as strikeouts have gone up across, across baseball. What, what, what's your, what's your impression of Sonny Gray? Is he, you know, at, maybe we get too caught up in labels. Is this guy a number one starter? Is he a number two starter? Is he a number three starter? What, what, you know, if just from impressions of him in the past or what they think of him or even the price they paid to get him, what do you, where does he fit into just an average rotation? Not even necessarily a twins rotation. Well, in his first three years in the, uh, in the league with Oakland, uh, you would have said uh, ace of the staff, uh, multi-time all-star, uh, you know, if he, if he stays healthy and has a long enough career, borderline uh, hall of fame guy, he was that good early in his career. He got hurt his fourth year, uh, some shoulder problems, some elbow problems. Uh, he has continued pitching and he's continued winning, but he has never quite been the same. He had another all-star year. Um, so is, can he recapture what he had uh, almost a decade ago? You know, probably not. He's in his thirties, but he is a, he is a veteran guy. He's a very, very smart guy by all accounts. Very, uh, um, uh, very good with his mechanics. Very uh, a, a real strategic thinker on the mound. Uh, you know, they love those uh, Vanderbilt uh, graduates. Uh, so uh, it, it, he does not have the stuff he once had, but he is a better pitcher than he used to be. I think. They feel it's interesting too that uh, you know they brought in Gary Sanchez, who some might tell you kind of got chased out of New York for buckling under the pressure there. New Yorkers will tell you that's what Sonny Gray did too uh, in uh, when he was in his two seasons with the Yankees, by far his worst uh, two-year stretch. Uh, I joked with Rocco that this is uh, this is becoming the escape from New York uh, team. You know, uh, you should just take Yankee castoffs and see where they can get you. Couple more things for you, Phil. I mean, just kind of this all feels like it's happening very, you know, very quickly. Anything, you know, <laughs> bol- <laughs> I'm sure it does to you too. Although it was like slow and now and now fast. Um, you know, 
bullpen wise, I mean, they haven't done much of anything to address the the bullpen yet. As long as as far as I can tell, what 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 kind of shape do you think that's in, and is that something that needs to be tended to, or will sort itself out as camp goes on? Well, they have pieces. Uh, they have pieces that they like. Uh, Taylor Rogers being completely healthy is a big step. I. Um, Wes Johnson said something uh, kind of uh, coy the other day about he had uh, some ideas. They had they had a plan for Tyler Duffy, uh, who was okay but was not quite the same pitcher he had been in the past last year. I, again, uh, a lot of teams they like a lot of teams they think they can fix guys. Um, so I, I I think they feel like they've got a good front end. Um, left-hander and a good front-end right-hander. Um, then they have a lot of candidates behind them uh, that uh, might be might be all right, that they have things that they like. Uh, uh, as a group, they feel pretty good about it. Individually, it's a lot of question marks. I don't know that they are going to spend a lot, trade a lot to uh, pick up a reliever. Uh, uh, that does not seem to be a huge priority. They like uh, um, Duran uh, and uh, how he's coming along in the bullpen. So um, they got uh, Jarrell Cotton from uh, the Rangers, who uh, another guy that was a former starter that, uh, that they think he can be a, a middle reliever. Um, so, I, you know, it was not a good year for the bullpen last year. A lot of that was uh, due to uh, Alexander Colomay, who's now gone. Uh, I, that is the one position where you'd say they need to short up, but they might just uh, roll with what they got for the moment. If the season goes well, you can always trade for relievers uh, midway through. I don't sense much of a direction yet. It kind of feels like they're, you know, they've made a few trades, but I don't, I don't, kind of seems like they're just trying to get organized at this point. Am I, Am I on the right track there? It just doesn't feel like I don't, I don't get a sense for what they're, what quite they're trying to do here yet. Well, given that they, uh, that they appointed a guy uh, as their new starting shortstop for the next two years and uh, he lasted 24 hours, I think they're kind of playing it by ear too. Um, we do know that they have some other uh, offers out that, uh, that they're waiting to hear back about that, if they can find a trade partner, they're certainly willing to pull the trigger in a hurry. Uh, I think they've proven that. I, I do not think they are done. I, I think there's at least one major and uh, maybe another minor uh, move coming. Is it, is it some master plan, some big blueprint? Well, the fact that the Yankees called uh, about a trade on Saturday and they made the trade on Sunday, uh, and all of a sudden, Gary Sanchez is a is in their lineup. That kind of shows you they're trying to uh, think it out on the fly. I think they have the general picture of where they want to get. Um, but uh, yeah, they're it's it's who's willing to uh, to work with them that uh, will uh, will make the choice for them. I think. Phil, good stuff as always. Good catching up with you. We will be following. Your work down in uh, Fort Myers covering the Twins and also colleague Megan Ryan as well. Um, good luck down there. I hope the deadline uh, situation improves for you. I know the uh, 
Sanchez, um, Donaldson trade came together quite late on a Sunday night, maybe after you had hoped things might be all done. So I am rooting for you that any other moves that get made are, uh, are two in the afternoon type things and not uh, 10 PM at night type things. You and me both. I told Derek Falvey, he owes me a pizza. I picked up a pizza last night at nine 30 and I ate it at 1230. Thanks to, uh, thanks to Josh Donaldson's trade. Well, good stuff, Phil. We'll catch up with you soon. All right. Okay, Mike. Thanks. Good stuff from Phil Miller. As always, like I told him at the jump, it was good to be able to talk baseball with him instead of lockout and other stuff off the field. And the Twins have certainly turned the page quickly with all of those moves. Um, I thought Derek Falvey on Sonny Gray was interesting. So I want to play a clip of him talking about how Sonny Gray fits into the rotation and whether they have maybe more moves to come. We talked a lot about the long-term plan, right? And always looking at now and the future. Sonny certainly fit that. Uh, And when we had talked to the the Reds at different junctures, even prior to the lockout um, about him, I just felt like we weren't quite there on on matching up. But as we got a little further into it, as we got closer to to now in the last couple of days, when we knew we could acquire him, we did all our homework on him beforehand. You know, I I tell you, everyone says this guy, Wes just said it too, uh, this guy's as big a competitor as you're going to find. Uh, when he gets on the mound, that's going back to his high school days, to his college days at Vanderbilt, and then ultimately uh, to what he's done as a professional. So I think the pitches and the quality and what he's done when he's on the mound, it speaks for itself. He's got great stuff. Uh, but beyond that, his com- just the way he competes every time he goes on the mound, that just adds a, a, a level of, of pushing him up a notch in a rotation by being that. With Sonny coming in, you know, Dylan's here, got a chance to talk to him today. We have young guys we really like, and we have young guys coming that we really like. You know, I got a chance to walk through the clubhouse and see some people that I hadn't yet seen. You know, our, our young kids that were in AAA last year and guys we believe in are going to be part of this. So I can't say today exactly where that stands. Um, we're going to continue to work. My guess is, as we know, with this condensed time frame and guys showing up now, there's still work to be done over the next few weeks. So uh, we'll see where that takes us. I'd say there better be more moves to come if they're going to compete this year. And I think Patrick Royce hit it right on the right on the head, kind of the, the column that he stumbled onto as we were talking on Monday's podcast, just about how you know the Falvey and um, Thad Levine regime came out, um, you know, in the first few years, and it was we're pushing a lot of the right buttons, a lot of the right signings, a lot of the right moves to to make the Twins into a a very you know, a very strong contender, the team that won 101 games in 2019 and then repeated as division champions in that shortened pandemic 2020 season. But since, you know, kind of all their moves since Josh Donaldson have been um, a little bit more questionable, and they've got a lot of work to do yet this offseason if they're going to be in any kind of shape to compete in 2022. So thought that was interesting from Phil, interesting reading from Patrick Royce as well. Let's finish with the cooler. Like I mentioned at the outset, the Vikings agreed to to another new defensive tackle, this time signing Harrison Phillips, uh, former Bills defensive tackle. This can't become official until tomorrow when the new league year starts, but this means the end of the Michael Pierce era. Pierce let go by the Vikings. He had been brought in in 2020. He was one of their biggest free agent signings, but things just did not work out here. He missed that whole first year with COVID, had a torn triceps last year. He played only eight games for the Vikings out of a possible 33 over the last two seasons. So we're going to try it again, this time with Harrison Phillips. 
reported in the Star Tribune three-year deal worth up to $19.5 million. Probably fitting into that 3-4 scheme. Wonder what that means for some of their other players as well as they work to get underneath the salary cap number. Got to be more moves coming, I would imagine, in the next 24 hours or so before the new league year starts. But this kind of goes to show they, for, for all the problems they've had getting it right on the offensive line, they have also struggled in the last few years getting it right on the defensive line. And we will see if the regime change is any better at picking the right one. That will do it for today. Good stuff coming up tomorrow as well. Going to play a piece of a conversation we're having at 12.30. Panel of women's basketball experts going to talk about that tournament coming up. Going to talk about the Final Four in Minneapolis. So you'll want to listen to that. That'll be available over Zoom and later on Star Tribune. Com, and I'll play a piece of that on tomorrow's podcast as well, along with many, many other things uh, going on in the world of sports. Thank you so much for joining Daily Delivery today. I am Michael Rand, back at it again on Wednesday.